Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, you guys, you know, sometimes on Just a Sip, it gets real. And today we will be talking about real issues surrounding addiction and mental health with Jason Waller. And I know it may be triggering to some, and I understand if you turn the channel, but I hope you stick around. This was an unbelievable conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just The Sip. Today, we actually have, from Laguna Beach, from the OG Hills, and now the Hills New Beginnings, Jason Waller. He was the biggest bad boy in reality TV for a while, and we're going to talk about that because he has a whole new lease on life and a whole new beginning. I don't want to be too cheesy, but he does have a whole new beginning. So we're going to talk about it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the thoughts he used to hook up with at, at the clubs back in the day. <laughs> Are you guys ready for Jason Waller? Get your ass in here and take the sip. Get in here. Yeah, baby. Coming through. How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? You know, I'm so happy that you are here. Um, I'm actually calling this episode New Beginnings. Fair enough. One, because you're on a show called The Hills, New Beginnings. This Correct. little show on MTV. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. <laughs> um, but also because you're having a new beginning. Correct. When we first met you years ago on Laguna Beach, where were you in your life? What age were you? Where was your headspace? Tell me all of it. The way I like to look at it is I'm not proud of it, but 10, 12 years ago, I was the drunk womanizing alcoholic. You know, I was young. I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, you know, I was I was very lost. You know, I was in, I was in the depths of my addiction uh, when that all happened. I mean, the cusp of it, after we shot Laguna Beach going into the season one of The Hills is when you know, my, my addiction took full force. I moved to LA because of the hills. Okay. Just so you know, because in my mind, I thought, oh, these pretty people are partying at Ledoux. They're having a good time. They're living at these right? fancy apartments, getting paid to get, have a ball. But really, you were dying on the inside this whole time. I was, you know, and I think this, the sad thing with, with that is, is, I mean, 10, 12 years ago, right? I mean, there just wasn't that many outlets to be able to reach out to and say that I, you know, what I was going through. I mean, because I actually... You know, drugs and alcohol were my solution. You know, but what was the drug and the alcohol? The well, it was alcohol was is my primary drug of choice, right? And then it, coinciding with cocaine was those were my two two things. You got arrested a few times, which I wasn't going to bring up, but God damn it, you had some beautiful mug shots. No, I appreciate that. You had some pretty mug shots. You know what's funny is is we got to give up hope of a better past, right? And the thing that I look at is I don't dwell on the past, but I utilize Amen. it as a learning experience. I have my favorite Mel Gibson mugshot in an eight by 10 frame yeah. in my bathroom. It's in the drawer where my toothbrush and my toothpaste is where when I pull that out, it's a constant reminder of where I never want to go back. Yeah. 
the way I like to put it is I had, you know, a very overinflated ego with an underestimated sense of self-worth. And I was trying to mask who I was through outside materialistic things to compose who I, you know, I thought who I thought I wanted to project, but I yeah. never, I never did, you know, I never felt good. I, every time I looked in the mirror, uh, you know, I was just a, a sad, lost individual. And I mean, the depths of my addiction took me to not contemplation, but attempting suicide, um, you know, and I, I got to a really, really dark place. Do you think that you survived that suicide because of what you're doing today? A hundred percent. Back me up for, cause I'm, I want to understand this a little bit better. A lot of people would say, you know, when they hear of a friend committing suicide, I never thought in a million years they would do it. They never talked about it. It just didn't seem like it crossed their minds. In your experience, had it been a lingering issue, had it been a lingering thought for you, or was it a spur of the moment, I'm going to do this? Great question, man. Because you know what I'm talking about? Like, we never, sure. we always go to the, well, oh, I didn't know this was coming. Like, he never mentioned anything. And I always wondered, did it ever cross your mind? It did. I mean, it crossed my mind, but it was more of one of those things like, oh, I'm never going to act on it. You know what I mean? It was just more of like maybe a cry for help type of thing or, you know, but you start manifesting that long enough, dude, and it starts to become a reality. And uh, how the hell am I going to tell somebody that, you know, I'm wanting to kill myself when, you know, I just, I didn't even know who, again, who I was. I didn't know how to communicate anything that I was going through. Um, but it was, it was premeditated. It was kind of just like as, as things kept going and getting worse and worse and worse, it was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And, uh, it was one of those things. I mean, I never forget what happened, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it was like one of those things where I was just like, I'm, I'm over this. I co I'm committing to it. How old were you? 21, 22 or in that area. So when we knew you from the first run of Laguna beach and the Hills, it happened in, uh, if you remember when Kasha, the girl I was dating, uh, Lauren came to the engagement party. Yes. It happened in that apartment. Damn. Speaking of Lauren, you famously dated Lauren Conrad and you guys broke up because of your addiction issues. Mm -hmm. Have you had a chance to reconcile with her now knowing what you know and being who you are today? Yeah. I mean, a part of the process of, of, of obtaining, you know, recovery and living a life sober is, is making amends. And I made amends to Lauren. Did she accept it? Yeah. What was that like? It's freeing, you know, when you can take ownership in your actions and let people know that you, you know, you, you truly want to make things right and that you apologize and you take the actions to, to fix what you did. It feels good. You turn your life around completely. It's a daily, a daily reprieve. You know what I mean? What I do today, what I did, what I did yesterday doesn't directly impact what I do today to stay sober, but I have, I have, uh, you know, definitely transformed, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to say that. And I mean, I found I'm content in my own skin. I can sit here and look you in the eyes where yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm confident. I'm happy. I got a good group of people around me. How hard was it to figure out who those people were in your life that were enabling that behavior? It was really hard, man. It was a very uh, emotional state because I mean, you know, not knowing who was around you for the right reasons, you know, who was dating you for the right reasons. I mean, there's- But break this down for me because a lot of people don't know this. Before you go any further, L.A. is swarming with hanger owners. Yeah. There are leeches at every. I'll give, you the best, I'll give you the best term for it. I think I think Forbes is the one that came out with this article. It's called Askholes. A-S-K-H-O-L-E-S. <laughs> How can I take 45 minutes of your time to benefit my life? Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, 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 the coattail was so long, man, I couldn't even move. I naturally have a big heart. I want to give back. 
but I've also, you know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I like to appease people. I like to, you know, people to feel good. Uh, and that's something that I've even struggled with in sobriety. You know what I mean? Is, is setting boundaries and being yeah. able to say no. So, I mean, it's, I've, I've learned a lot about myself through this journey and it's stuff that I still work on today. There's always room for growth, but, you know, going back and looking at that, it was, it was emotionally and physically and mentally challenging trying to figure out who really had your best interest. I went back to the the grassroots, the foundation that was established, family, the core people that were around me when I was a little kid, uh, and started there. You know, yeah. and, I, and I learned too. Aristotle says it best: "You guys, you got more than five friends, you got none." And, <laughs> and uh, you know, for for me, it was that self discovery is I needed to find me though. You yeah. know, I didn't know who I was, so how the hell am I supposed to associate with people that I want to be around? Right and and by me doing that and discovering who Jason was, the people I have in my life today, I mean, I'm just astounded with, uh, I never thought they would, they would be in my life. I have a friend who's also going through sobriety right now, and I'm giving him space. Right. But it seems like he cut me completely out of his life. Does that happen often in sobriety? And do you only surround yourself with people who are only sober? Good question. I mean, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, in the, you know, because in the beginning, when you get sober, they say you need to change your people, places, and things, right? And that shows that he's working a solid program. And don't, I wouldn't take it personal on your side. No. It's, it's, it's more for him is, is he's really working a program and he doesn't want to have any temptations or, you know, triggers or things come up. Not that you're that piece. And for me, my, my story is a little different. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are in recovery, but I also have a lot of friends that aren't in recovery. And I'm yeah. comfortable around that it, it, because they've given me, they know where I stand. And it's like whenever we're around, they're cautious. You know, they're not raging and partying. And I also don't associate with people that are out there raging. People, when they're in sobriety, it's that's it's stay close to the pack, if you will, if that makes sense. No, no, I'm learning all this now, now. Yeah, Alanon's amazing. If you have someone who is going through what you went through, it's nice to have someone who understands. Well, let me tell you something is a lot of people don't understand wherever there's an alcoholic or an addict, there is a codependent or an enabler. And sometimes they're just as sick, if not sicker. That's true. I mean, I got to experience that because when I met Ashley and I had the four and a half years of sobriety that I had, and when I relapsed and I was in active addiction for three years, she didn't know how to set boundaries. You know, I was able to manipulate. I was able to get my way. I mean, that's that's part of the disease modality is it's a survival thing, right? So I was able to, to manipulate her and kind of get her to buy into different things. And she did not know how to take care of herself. I got her wound up into the disease with me. And it, which is, it's a, it's, that's why they call it a family disease is because you can get people sucked into this thing and uh, they don't have a way out. How did she break free from it? She reached out for help and she finally got to a point where we had, a, you know, we had a child, Delilah, who's the, the, yeah. the love of our life. And, uh, you know, going into this, she goes, I can't, we can't do this anymore. Um, and she reached out to my sponsor and they gave her, she, my sponsor gave her direction uh, on to, you know, one is you need to set a boundary, get him out of the house. Two, you need to be going to Al-Anon, you know, get a, get a sponsor there and, 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 and do the deal. Um, and that's where things shifted, man. And uh, I wasn't welcome back at my house. It's crazy because on the show I was watching and you admit to relapsing and talking about losing two million in gambling and and bad business investments. How does one walk in the house and tell their wife that they f***ed up like this? It wasn't like, oh, one day, I, I, hey, babe, I lost two million bucks and we got to sell the house and everything. It was over the course of time, right? I mean, gambling, just on and off, doing different things. And I wasn't honest with it, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's the secrets keep you sick, right? And that's what just kept driving me down into a, a hole. She's such a loving, caring, and supportive person. I mean, without her, I don't think I would be here, honestly. 
So it's it's one of those things where I didn't do which which I should have. It was and I wasn't yeah. able to approach the situation until it got to you know until there was nothing else. It's like we got to sell the house. You know what I mean? And and that's when everything became apparent because she thought things were you know were were going good. I've always been done well, been successful, and but uh, it, it got to a deep dark place, man. Are you surprised she stayed with you? Hell no! No, I'm just kidding. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I would have no. left. I'm surprised she stayed with me. Um, I mean, to your point, I probably would have left in that situation as well. But I think what what salvaged a lot of this stuff is she got to experience me sober for many years. It's one of those things where I think she knows who I really was when in, I was in sobriety. And she knows the type of person I am, the big heart that I have, the loving compassion. Because we had amazing years together. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was more of she was fighting for that again, if that makes sense. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Do you ever look at your kid and stress out about how much stress you actually caused your parents back in the day because i feel all like all the time as a parent you didn't understand it until you saw those baby blue eyes correct i thank god every day for my parents they are saints uh for what i put them through because i mean you know i don't know if i shared with you one of the, the turning points to when i actually got sober i call it my moment of clarity right back in july 23rd 2010 you know we were sitting in a therapy office my dad's a patriarch of our family you know just like the backbone yeah. of everything and i'll never forget this but he sat there and he just looked at me and he goes this is after all the arrest all the treatment centers right and he goes just we just don't know what to do anymore you know and he starts tearing up and he's uh, he goes you know our marriage is suffering we're so lost and he goes we're just like two planks of wood uh laying in bed waiting for the phone call that you're dead there was a spiritual movement there it was like a light came on well you saw uh, the man who was so strong and who had led your family through everything throughout your life say I'm lost. Correct. And it's, this is on you now. Like, well, I can't do anything. Well, but they've tried helping me many times in the past, right? But there was no real motivation. I don't know why, but that message created a willingness into me and a willingness to get honest and being willing to take direction because the best of my decision makings kept getting me back to these negative spots, right? Yeah. And that was the turning point. I'd seen them age like 10 years in a matter of two, you know, just the physical uh, drainage of that. And, uh, I'll be making a living amends to them for the rest of my life. Yeah. When you look at a treatment center, what are you looking like? What should people look for? Because I feel like it's people great, go for the bougie situation. It's a great question. Ironically enough, we just did a whole segment, 20 something questions on how to vet a treatment facility. So you, one is people are going to have to check that out because I actually got a whole bunch of clinicians and a bunch of professionals to give you the exact things to look for when you're actually going into a treatment center. There's a lot of people in the recovery space that are, are not ethical and that aren't that aren't above board. Out of the 15,000 facilities that are out there, I'd refer to about 10%. You went to a shady one. I've got, yes, I've gone to both. I've gone to really good ones and I've gone to shady ones. I heard that people are turning up more in the shady situations than outside. Unfortunately, yes. And that's why, again, I think, you know, it's it's the due diligence on this. And I think the video that we've created is how to really properly vet a facility from when they first call to what is an intervention? What is an intervention supposed to do from, you know, what does detox look like? What is what is residential treatment look like? What are what are the services that are supposed to be provided yeah. in there? Like the whole thing, all the way down to the family component, to aftercare, natural highs, you know, how to maintain and sustain sobriety. Uh, it's really impactful. I mean, it's I wish we had a, more time because I'd break yeah. it down for you. But it's it's uh, there's a lot to it. And 
I mean, it's it's a this is a primary chronic, progressive, and potentially fatal disease if untreated. Don't think of it any other way. I mean, when 100%. you're when you're looking for somebody to get help, that's what you're dealing with. I mean, yeah. this is the leading cause of death in America for 50 year old individuals and younger. Wow. You know what the average age of use, first time use is right now? What is it? 11 and a half years old. When was the first time you used? Like 15, 15 and a half. It was alcohol. Uh, it was actually weed. You don't seem like a weed guy. I'm not. I'm not a weed. I call, dude, I ended up running home in, in a panic attack. <laughs> Wait, dude, like, it was the hold worst on. experience I, in my entire life, dude. I was down at Thalia Beach. I'll never forget it. Smoke weed. I was like, dude, the cops are coming. Ran home, told my mom. I'm like, mom, I don't know what happened. Something at the beach bit me. or something. I don't even remember, but I remember my you mom. You got high yeah. as Kai, and you got paranoid. <laughs> yep. Not my thing, man. Not my th- I'm a stimulant guy. I like my things, uh, cocaine, Adderall, that crap. That's what I liked, but... This whole Adderall thing is so funny because I have, again, I have friends who take Adderall and they think, oh, I'm prescribed to it. It's fine. My doctor knows. I'm like, I don't think your doctor knows you're taking four 70 milligram five ounces a <laughs> day and you're drinking two Chardonnays with it. Were you prescribed Adderall I prescribed whenever? it, but I got prescription dyslexia, man. I, instead of taking one every four hours, I took four every one hour. Life got so good for me, right? Like, yeah. I mean, through the promises of everything they say when you're in recovery, life got too, got too big and too good for me. And I got distracted. My program did not become my priority. It, you know, it, it got derailed. You know, this was years ago. And, you know, I went to a psychiatrist and I explained my life, what was going on. I was trying to be more solution-oriented with stuff. And, and just a couple months after I was prescribed it, you know, I started abusing it. And I was like, well, because now if, after I take one, if I can get this, because things were, it worked for a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was a lot more focused. And I was like, well, I'll take another one. And before you know it, I'm up until 2, 3 in the morning. You know, a guy that's had issues with cocaine, you're not going to give him Adderall. People on Adderall don't realize that they're addicted to something because a doctor prescribes it. Correct. And I want to stress that on this podcast, that even if it's prescribed, you can still be addicted to it. And sometimes you can get a bigger high from the Adderall than the cocaine. You actually, you, you 100% can. And like, people need to understand that. Just, I mean, that's, it's a more concentrated, it's in a, done in a lab. I mean, you're getting the purest form of this stuff. And people need to understand that like when you're taking those things, I mean, it's very easily to get it. That's how addictions happen. I mean, people don't know this either is, and I'm not an opiate addict, but I learned this so that if, if a doctor gives you more than a, a prescription for 10 days of opiate pills, that he's not doing his job because after, after 10 days of taking opiates, you actually are starting to take a pill to alleviate the pain from the pill. You're yes. not even subside. Like the opiates stop working after 10 days. So that's where tolerance kicks in. That's where, and, and the addiction comes in. Now, instead of taking one a day, I need to take two. So you're not even, now you're, you're, your your the the band-aid on the issue of what the pain was really from is being covered does that make sense that what makes I'm saying? total sense so then now you're having to take a, a a pill to alleviate the pain from the pill which is the pill from the beginning was alleviating the pain from the actual symptom mm-hmm. so it's it, it's just the education around that i mean people are getting prescribed 120 pills a month it's like what the he- who the hell is prescribing them this it's all about the money though it is 100 well, we both know that it's all sure. about the money but it's if we about- can provide this education i love what you're doing it's just people to have common knowledge on this because people the biggest defeat that we face with the stigma is the education on it. Because yeah. as, as, as an ad, al- alcoholic and an addict, I understand all this stuff, but the problem that we need to do is inform the normies. I call yes. you guys normies that can enjoy, they can enjoy drinks or enjoy social using and stuff, but it's, it's educating those individuals to really understand what it is that we're up against here. There's no such thing as recreational use of heroin. There's no such thing as recreational use of meth. No, like because everybody thinks they have it under control. And I'm like, you don't have it under control. Your arm is green. It, well, it's, but it's, it, yes, but it's like, how can you even, 
cognitively think of that. Like I always go to the point, there's no normality in escaping reality. I mean, like, what is it that you're trying to, to, to get away from? Because as I said, drugs and alcohol were my solution. The problem was me. Yeah. And that's when you remove those, it's like, I'm stuck with this. You know, we, we saw your story unfold. We saw the sobriety. We saw that you were happy and you had a kid. And all of a sudden you went back on reality TV, which to some people can be a trigger. Yeah. But you found a way to make the hills a new beginning, a new way to get a message out. Correct. Were you afraid to walk into that arena again? Of course. I mean, you have to understand that looking back, I don't look, I, I suffered with addiction prior to the show. I mean, it was embedded in me since a young kid. I mean, I'm, I think I'm pre-genetically disposed to it due to the, how many people in my family suffer with mental health or, or substance abuse. Um, but going on that, I mean, it added fuel to the fire, you know what I mean? And, and there was some fear around that. I mean, when I was, we were approached and offered it, I mean, me and my wife took a hard, you know, a hard look at what we were getting into and, and made sure to process, you know, what the, 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 the possibilities that could come out of this. Right. And, yeah. but the, the thing that I think really turned me into this, it wasn't like, Oh, I can't wait to get back on TV. Like our lives are great. You know, we've established what we were doing. Yeah. We love, we love the work we do. And, and I go, Ashley, this is almost like God's work. You know, I mean, it is, he's given me this platform. I mean, it should have been dead 10 different times, like literally from the car accidents to try to take my own life from the fights, all the different stuff that I was in from the amount I would use the, uh, everything you can think of. And I go, this is an opportunity for us to use this platform to show people that you can change your life. I mean, cause I was under a, a microscope of like how, how much, how much worse can it get? You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, that was the point. And, and, you know, it's, we took the risk and obviously I had, I had a, a slip during that time back months, months and months and months, almost close to a year ago, uh, you know, through on the show. But again, it's, it's, I think that happened again. There's, we, there's a whole nother conversation around that, but I'm okay with that because it's allotting me to be able to explain what happened, be able to give insight at, from a person that's in recovery, how hard it is to get back after I had that time, man, Yeah. to be able to acquire time again. It's been so much harder this time. And, you know, I can sit here and say to you, you got almost eight months again, which is unbelievable. Um, but uh it wasn't the show that triggered you eight months ago was it no the sh you know what triggered me was actually for the first time in my life was body imaging uh i had gained a lot of weight from this i've always been somebody that's very active very high metabolism somebody that's always been in shape uh and if you watch the last episodes of the show i mean i was 200 like the last show that was on i was 200 and about 215 pounds there and we don't talk about that enough as men no, we don't talk about body image when I never had an issue. So it was something that it came from the side. And I was just like, not only am I, you know, and I'm working out, I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm not losing the weight like I used to even just a few years prior to that. Right. Because you wasn't on that Adderall. No, no, <laughs> not, that Adderall. No, not only well, that, that but Adderall I was, makes giddy. but I was, but three years before, even before that, I was in very good shape. I boxed all the time. I was very healthy. I was always on, on point with stuff. And just as you get older, and again, I'm not old, but I'm just saying, as you do get older, your your body just is it slows down. And and I and, and knowing that now I'm dealing every day you wake up, right? You look in the mirror, you know, you see yourself, and I'm just not happy with the results that I'm seeing and stuff. And then now I'm shooting a show, so there's all these insecurities that started coming in. Now I'm at 190 pounds. I'm like I'm, I'm healthy. I'm back to where I want to be. I'm super content. But during that time, it was like being able to actually come out and, and talk about something that I hadn't experienced before. Cause I was always somewhat confident. I mean, there was, there's areas obviously of insecurity through the, the, through the course of all this, Yeah. but not to the point where I was like worried about weight. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I might be mad cause my hair is out of place or something like <laughs> little things that got pimples, whatever, but 
this was something that was different that I, you know, I, I never had that issue. I mean, I was 220 pounds and I'm usually like 180, 185. And, you know, I'm finally back to where I want to be and I feel happy and healthy. But again, that's given me an opportunity to be able to, sh to shed light on that. Cause a lot of people from the outside, honestly, they're like, what the hell would you, you don't have a problem with exactly. issues. Yeah. yeah. And, and the truth is, yeah, I, yeah, I did. <laughs> you guys just got picked up for season two. Are you going back? Yeah, man, it's just getting started now. Is there something that you wish you would have known going back into the hills? Like, because I know sometimes you just get easy with the camera and you just let everything out. You know, yeah. is there something that you look back on that you wish you wouldn't have shared? No, I'm totally happy. I, th this go around, I'm totally happy. Actually, the whole go around. I mean, again, it's it's created this whole effect that I'm so happy it's 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 been done the way it is. I'm happy with the way it's it's come out. I'm happy with the way it's portrayed. Uh, you know, but I, I'll tell you this. I'm not going to name names because you have to find out. But I'm I, I I think after shooting and finding out, you know, who really people are, I, that's one of the things that that I'm kind of shocked about is uh, is is I've been let down a little bit. Are you talking about single Brody? Because I'm ready for single Brody season two. Oh no, I, dude, Brody's the man. I, I has it's not him, not him. The Prince. I'm not going to say nothing. But hold on, because everybody is everybody is calling out the Prats. What happened? Did I don't what what party you talking about? What happened? Like why? What what's the disappointment? Like why is everyone saying they're not who they they say they are? No, I mean it's and it's. I'm not even specifically. There's just a couple people on the show for me that I'm talking about uh -huh. that that portrayed that they were one way, and after the show's done, this you get a totally different side. And again, I'm not necessarily saying it's the Prats. I'm just saying there's a couple people that it's. Uh, again, I just I don't associate with that. I don't want to invest time and, and interest into a relationship where it's not reciprocated. So will we see the change in season two? Hell yeah! Because person or persons will try to then come back into your life. Not happening. Do people show you the true selves whenever the camera stops? Yeah, I mean, y yes. Yeah, I, I've got. There's a few of few of the cast I've, I thoroughly enjoy, and I, I, you know, love spending time with them. But I feel like you're not the type of guy to hold your tongue. Like there will become a time. Oh, there's going to be this. This last year for me was really. Seen, you have to remember when I was with all this crew years ago. I mean, I was in my own drunken stupor. I didn't really get an accurate read on everybody. Did not really you know them. I was, you know, this was like the first time I had met them again. So a lot of it was assessing the situations and really understanding. And because I'm also a person not to, you know, I pause when I'm agitated. You know what <laughs> I mean? Whereas now, though, I mean, I've got a good read on it, and it's, it's. I'm a person that. I mean, for me is. There's no fakeness, you know. I'm a by expressing vulnerability creates humility, right? So I'm an yeah. open book around things, and I think for for next season, it's 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 calling people out on their. Ooh, dude. I feel like they know who's gonna be that hot wire this year. You're not afraid for people to be honest because well, you know, you're honest yourself. Well, you know what's amazing too is I'm really proud of my wife because she lays down the law. But it's harder because okay. She is a newbie coming into this. She is, and but she again, she was mindful to it, but she she picks up on stuff very yeah, quickly. But let's be let's be clear. The first merry-go-round was semi-staged and a little. It was it was not it was it's real it, it's real. There's there's pieces to it that were a little you know staged, yes. but overall it, it's it's real. I mean but, the, the 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 emotions, the relationships, everything you're seeing is real is real. But let me no, let me say this: the first merry-go-round of the hills back ten years ago. 
people laid into their characters a little bit more. They, yeah, but, became... but that was but that was also because yeah, it was kind of created with that. Like, I mean, like Lauren with the Teen Vogue and Whitney with Teen Vogue and Heidi working at Bold House and Audrina doing her we thing. We know her ass never had a f***ing job. That was a little bit more guided and directed. You know, they kind of put that together of how they wanted to see this yes. to go. But, but now, then, yeah. It's kind of evolved into this whole thing. And I think your wife is coming in with a fresh mind, which cool. is why she's going to get real. And I saw the twitch in her eye one day. Yeah. I was watching an episode and I was like, oh, she she sent us the bullshit. <laughs> she's ready to go yeah. at it. I like her on the show. Oh, she's I, I think she's awesome. I think she's an, an amazing element. But she also, like I said, she calls people out. You say wife. And I'm happy you brought that up because are you guys married? Because I don't want to open a I don't want to open a magazine and it'd be like, oh, we find out they aren't really married too. No, we are married. Happily married. That's you're fun. You're that was good. I just want to uh, know. Um, no, our, our actually our marriage ends next month. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> no, we are uh, we are together. Jeez, 10, 12, 13, man, was our is our anniversary. So six years. Yeah, I think that's right. Six. That's sorry, crazy. sorry, babe. I think it's six. <laughs> we've been together about not. I know we've been together almost nine years. So this is and it's awesome though. I mean, I can tell you and I can sit here. This is the first faithful relationship I've been in. You know. <gasps> Because I feel like you were dripping back in the day. You were taken down. I was all over the place, man. I was dirty in a toilet seat, bro. How? Wait. Okay. Because this was before Tinder. This was before social media. Like, Thank how, God those things were here, man. I'd probably be God. dead. How were you taking bitches down? Was it the club? Dude. I mean, the the uh, it's... Ashley, don't ever listen to this. Uh you know, when we go to these clubs, right? I've heard the legends. It, I've heard the stories. Dude, we would go to these clubs, and I mean, it was 2,500 2500 females with like 5% men. The guys that were there were smart because they could. there were so many girls there. I mean, you just it was like you hand-select these people. It was just crazy, dude. It was bad. Terrible. It was bad. Who was your running mate back then? Any of the cast members from? Steven Coletti, for sure, was my running mate for a while. Dieter, Talon. I think all of them, dude. I mean, we all traveled together. We did a bunch of stuff. You guys just had a good time. Yeah, we we did. I mean, I remember going to Ledoux and it being like, if you went to, if you got, by the way, if you got past Allison Melnick or Jen. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you got past Allison, Allison Mel, If Allison Melnick let you in the rope, you were the Yeah. And if Jen let you in the rope, you were Jesus because she was not letting a mother. <laughs> In the Dow. Oh, dude. I It got to a point where... How much know, access did you have? I had a lot of access. And then towards the very... But towards the end, uh, not as much because, you know, was, I was causing a lot of issues. Okay. So you started out the prince of the club um, scene, yeah. and then you were getting too sloppy. And people don't understand this, that when you would walk into a club back in the day, you could order whatever. Yeah, it wasn't just alcohol. You knew exactly what you and you probably didn't even have to pay for it. Nope. How do you even keep that under control when you're a twenty-something-year-old? What do you mean, dude? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a perfect example of I did not keeping that under control. Tell me the wildest story. Man. How wild did it get? It, 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 very wild. I was up for three days. I'll tell you that much, man. It got it, real. It got real. Real scary. I went to a club in New York and I ended up in San Tropez. That's and fire. I don't know. That's fire. If you know how I got to San Tropez, I would really appreciate it, uh, dude. You have to. If you find out ever, you have to let me know. Thank you so much for being with us today. Are you kidding, dude? I love you, man. 
I had a really good time with you. We'll do it again, man. You're really open. Yeah, duh. You have so much more to do. In I your appreciate life. that. I'm so excited to see it. I love it. Thank you. You're the man. Vanessa? Hi, guys. That's my producer, Vanessa. I don't know about you, but I thought that was a damn good interview. It was really good. He was super open and honest. He really went there. It was really great. And I found out some things that I didn't even know about him. You know? True. No, I did too. I like that he was like talked about Al-Anon and also like responsibility of stuff like that, which I think is super important for the audience. Yeah. And, you know, I being, you know, a part of something, a family unit that dealt with, you know, addiction, like it really shed some light on my own situation. But don't you think every family has that, whether it's a family friend or a member, I feel like addiction really affects like every single person. Yeah, no, everyone. That's why I love having him here. And that's why we chose him for, you know, one of the first ones on this season. You guys, thanks for listening. And do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you actually want to see this go down, head over to the E! News YouTube channel and click on Just the Zip. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity.